0: Welcome to the Data Bites podcast by Women in Data, where we give you your weekly bite-sized dose of career development advice, industry case studies, and career stories to help you excel in your data career. Today, I have the pleasure of chatting with Soleil Alvarez-Delcel, who is the head of Data and Applied AI Practice Unit at Balfest, Forbes Technology Council member, and chapter lead for Women in Data's Buenos Aires chapter. In this episode, Soleil shares the importance of listening over talking, why it's essential for leaders to find their why, and how leaders can overcome some of the top challenges when leading AI and analytics team. You'll find this episode insightful for current analytics leaders and those looking to grow their leadership skills. Enjoy. Welcome to the Data podcast, Soleil. It's great to be chatting with you again. Oh, thank you
1: so much, Citi, for having me here and giving this space. I'm really honored to be here.
0: So you had a really rich career in analytics, 15 years at IBM. You started as a SQL developer in a data warehouse project, and now you're the head of a data and applied AI practice. I'd love to know if there were some pivotal experiences along your journey that Shaped your thinking to help you get to where you are today in your career journey?
1: Oh, yeah, that is a, a lot of time. Um, yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, I, I often reflect on my career and I definitely realize how lucky I've been. Um, so there's certainly been some pivotal moments, like you said. Um, that I was, I think I, the reason I was so lucky is that I got really great leaders uh, right there. Maybe,
0: maybe believing in
1: that I could do something else before even I realized it myself. And uh, and they were there to advise me, encourage me, uh, support me in, in in every way. And and I was even luckier, you know, to have. I think I was. I could count like half of my leaders. Uh, around my career that were uh, powerful executive women. So I was even happy in that regard. Um, so today uh, I've been like 18 years in the business uh, with data. And I feel that um, that I owe it to my teams to provide some of that experience, you know, to, to really be uh, that person that they can come to or that person that will tell them, hey, this is, good path for you or this is what I see about you so if anything has been shaped in my in my in my career it's about how I can give back some of that that I had because it was actually not really lucky it was really having the right people on my corner and um, well some of them I they're still there so I keep relations with with some of them and whenever I still have to make a pivotal change in my career I know there are a couple of them that I can still talk to and um, I'm, I'm, it, it really feels great to have, like I said, someone in your corner that will advise you and really wish you the best. So it's uh, something that I, I really want to, to provide from my, from my role today.
0: So we know that people usually leave jobs, because of who their manager is, right? And, and so you're talking on the positive side, you had great managers, leaders, people in your corner, those helped you stay and excel. And we see on the contrary, if you don't have that, you typically leave that job. So do you have any advice for people on how to find those key people in their corner. I know, you know, on social media these days, we see a lot of like green flag, red flag, like what's a green flag for having the right leader or the right manager and what's a red flag that, Hey, maybe there's another environment that you can thrive in a little bit better. (laughs)
1: Uh, That's a very interesting question. Um, You know, I've read uh, not a while ago something that really shocked me about leadership because it was in a way, like you said, the the negative way maybe of leadership that is about uh, that leaders are not there just to be nice people. It's just to get your people a level of discomfort that they can handle so that they can move on. So just like a a parent, you know, uh, I'm I'm a mom, so um, I take it really that to my heart uh it's a way of really uh, helping people it's not about saying yes all the time or saying what people wants to listen so sometimes leaders have like that burden not to be nice to people so my advice there would be uh careful of what you sense is a red flag because uh you know it takes two to tango uh it's not just about the leader it it really might be an experience for you to bring something out to handle the situation and, and see even from uh, bad leaders, you can still uh, walk out being uh, a better professional. You don't really need to walk out of a, of a job. Of course, there are different uh, experiences, uh, but when it comes to career, um, it's, you know, like you said, I'm, I'm a positive person and whatever I see it, An issue, I tend to be a challenge and an opportunity. So I would say uh, open up your ears and and, and eyes and see what that experience can get out of you. And maybe, maybe sometimes uh, there's something that you can create with your leader. So it's not the uh, bottom down uh, type of relationship. Like I said, it's a two way type of relationship. So uh, I will be careful about what is really a red flag or a or a green flag uh, in terms of, of leadership?
0: Maybe we make a new flag, it's an orange flag, which means it's a growth flag, right? Like, hey, there's an opportunity
1: Correct. here. <laughs> I Abs- <love> absolutely. It. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Growth mindset, absolutely. Mm-hmm.
0: So, from a leader's perspective, what do you see as some of the core skills AI leaders need to have today that are really just fundamental to leading and enabling really effective teams in analytics and
1: AI? Hmm. Well, uh, first of all, let me dig a bit into uh, what makes an AI project different. Um, so I come, uh, like you said, uh, from the classical traditional BI data warehouses in school, uh, the inmund the Kimball models, all of that. And, uh, and our biggest hope in those projects is and know that i'm using the press present tense here is to create a set of curated data to support decision making so there have been variations over time but definitely this is the course someone looking at the screen uh, to a beautiful self-explained dashboard and understanding what is really driving change in the business to act consequently now ai projects has the potential and hence the beauty to not just automate some of that decision making but also to allow for core crop, uh, crop processing redesign so they are really some projects are really impacting people and the way that people interact and the way that people work uh, so that makes uh, pe- uh, projects far more complex for example uh, we've had uh, some projects around uh, image recognition uh, that to be implemented they needed to involve some other broad areas like uh, user research, customer experience, um, software development, platform design, change management, and all of that around the need to understand what the business uh, problem or opportunity is and how all this, the components could create a solution for uh, a client. And all of that before even understanding what really the algorithm was was going to be. So um, to back to, to the skills of an, an, an AI leader, uh, I believe too that uh, having that strategic vision to detect areas of opportunities, um, to be able to clearly articulate uh, those uh, needs or opportunities in a business language related with a business case, and then, of course, understanding what the at the lowest level, what the technical uh, AI solution or algorithm could really help to deliver that promise is is, uh, is really at the core. And as well, uh, AI projects have uh, a level of uncertainty uh, that we consultants do have the obligation to let our clients know about, which is about really having good data uh, to make things work. Um, so understanding what those risks are and how to mitigate, how to inform the client and how to handle the, 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 expectation gap with the client is absolutely critical from, from the AI perspective.
0: So you mentioned needing to have that understanding of how it applies to the business. If you're someone who has, you know, spent 10, 20 years in the technical role how do you make sure you're getting that business knowledge and that business acumen? Is there, do you have any tips for people? Do you need to change your job for a little while? Is it that extreme where there's some different tactics you can take that are a little bit, you know, less, less extreme?
1: (laughs) Well, um, I think, uh, well, first of all, uh, from the consultancy perspective, there's a saying that we consultants have, uh, two ears and one mouth, right? So it's always about listening. It's always about listening. I don't believe uh, when someone says, well, clients don't know what they want, they really do. Maybe you're not talking to the right person with the right level of uh, responsibility on a project. So back to the other point, it's always staying alert um, to those situations as well. But also, like everything, uh, be prepared, right? It's like about reading about uh, what um, an industry, uh, what are their car processes, main KPIs, and understand how they relate to driving revenue or optimizing costs and try to understand. I mean, we data people, know better to read data and numbers and understand what's the, you know, the 2080. uh, So what is really what is going to really impact uh, a a business, a company within a specific industry. So my advice there is to get involved into the business uh, KPIs for starters as possible to understand how those relate to each other and how you can provide value. So the greatest conversations with a client is when they ask you for something and then you say, hmm, oh, have you considered this? And you uh, you will be amazed to see the reaction of the client because then a dialogue, again, a, a bidirectional dialogue can really occur and great things can happen there.
0: Yeah, I think these are great principles because whether you work in consulting or you work in the business, if you're in a technical role, You usually have business partners, right? And so, even taking a consultant type of approach within the business works. So, I love that analogy of two ears, one mouth. You know, we all have two ears and one mouth, but I think we forget we have double for a reason. So, I think that's a really great reminder for all of us.
1: Absolutely, absolutely.
0: So this environment is rapidly changing, you know, within AI and analytics, we continue to advance on technology and new methods. And at the same time, our business environment is changing, right? With the pandemic had a huge effect on businesses and, you know, change is a thing that is constant. With all these factors coming together, what are some of the top challenges you see leaders facing leading AI and data teams today?
1: Hmm. Um, well, um, like I mentioned, uh, not all AI projects are purely technical. So, of course, there is, you know, at the lower level, how algorithms, algebra, algebra and all that stuff works. Of course, we all have that nerdy side. Uh, they want to understand how things really work um but like i said before uh i mean those uh, I, I i believe the data in particular in ai in a maybe an exponential way are meant to really impact the business uh so isolating those projects and being purely technical with i mean it works for many many people but it really uh maybe uh puts you a way of understanding what, what value you can add to the solution, right, that you're building. Um, and also um, AI in particular, what, I, what I'm finding is that uh, you you definitely need uh, broad sets of skills around, uh, uh, like I said, I mean, uh, it's about process. Sometimes it's process we define and it takes you to challenge your client to rethink why he's doing what they're doing and uh and how to find efficiencies along the way and if you're going to change the process then you well that's another type of experience right to uh how you implement a solution like this it's not just you know moving to prod and we're all happy it's running <laughs> and it's done it, it's not like that you really have to see how people interact with your solution how it's going to change the way they they do their things every day. So. A lot of uh, people skills and an integration between these sometimes very different uh, areas, uh, from a technical side to customer experience or user research and all that stuff. There's a gap that uh, that I, I would advise leaders to you know to fill because it's really needed to make this. Ch- different uh, people talking to different languages to talk um, one same language. And the other thing, I think it's a big, big challenge, but for everybody and specifically in the IT industry is of course about how to retain talent, right? And, And in that regard, like I said, I mean, AI and data from my perspective are areas of value creation. So I think it's easier for us leaders to show our teams how they are Contributing with something in, in or, or creating an impact in in a business or in, in an industry or for the, or improving other people's lives. So um, I think those are the, the the key things that I'm seeing right now um, in, in in the context of AI teams.
0: And today you are an official member of the Forbes Technology Council. Congratulations. Um, That sounds exciting um, to be leading the way in a broader sense as well. Could you shed some light for us on what type of work this entails and what some of the initiatives you're doing at the Technology Council?
1: Well, uh, first, it's uh, really an honor to have been uh, accepted and passed the the vetting criteria but more than work, uh, I, it's a great opportunity really to connect with leaders around the world and, and learn. I mean, when you connect, it's not just chat, it's about to learn, it's about to understand that uh, your problems in your corner of the world, maybe are happening the other side of the world and how other people with other mindsets and cultures uh, have uh, are dealing with them. So it's really, really enriching. Um, and the mission of the Force Council is really to this, uh, bring leaders together from every industry and, and create uh, curated content to, to help uh, right, uh, the other executives. So right now what I'm doing is um, I contribute uh, on, on expert panels, so it's a kind of a set of very varied questions in which you are invited as a leader to introduce your ideas, your thoughts. So I've been lucky to have been featuring some of those. And I'm also writing a couple of, of, of articles that I hope that can be published uh, soon.
0: That's wonderful. Well, I look forward to reading those articles and hearing more from you on that work. And you made such a great point. like as a leader, we always have to be learning and expanding our network. And one of the beauties of the world we work in today is we can connect with people from all over the world. I mean, right now we're in two different countries (laughs) chatting and then this podcast and who's listening goes to people all over the world as well. And, you know, before this, I was mentioning that I, I realized Living in the US, we get a little bit of an egocentric view of ourselves and I think there's a lot of great things we can learn from other people in other countries, um, how they've done things. Could you shed some light for us in terms of what analytics and AI looks like in South America? You're a global traveler, you work with global teams. Is there a difference in how South Americans are approaching analytics from other parts of the world? And are companies innovating in ways you don't see other parts of the world innovating?
1: Um, yeah, I, 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 I'm based in Argentina um, so for, for, for the audience. And yeah, I've been lucky to to have worked in the past now with, with people from other countries. Some are in, in South America, um, in Europe, or even in the US. Um, and you know, it's funny because when, when it comes to what I call classical BI data warehousing and how to store your data, uh, I think that's kind of a global issue. I mean, the, the, the same problems occur everywhere. Uh, stylus of information, um, uh, people not trusting what data they see. So in terms of analytics, um, I, I would say that the performance is pretty much the same so and and we see it right in the in the uh blogs and 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 then and the social networks and all the, the publishing that is about this debates about uh, uh data warehouses data lake, data lake house data mesh so there's there's always something new from the marketing perspective to solve all of our problems and really provide our users with a sound data quality product so um i i would say they're pretty much the same challenges in terms of analytics and bi in terms of um, mbi and, and in terms of ai um i i think there's still room to grow everywhere and 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 i think some realities in in specific countries <clears throat> can really help other um solutions really to evolve for example uh, when, when I was uh, learning about the solution with a partner about um, uh, checking the quality of containers uh, at, at the docks, um, that solution uh, was uh, interesting in Canada. Uh, not, not very useful in Seattle, in the U.S., because that was not a business problem for them at the moment. Uh, they had an interest in, in Peru to understand how they could implement that but it was not really in the top of priorities of the company at the moment but then i learned for example that in japan there is a 2030 initiative to actually digitalize all the operations and in the, in the ports and docks in, the, in japan and the reason for it is because new generations don't want to take up that kind of work so i think that what might change in in the different geographies and this very much globalized work world is uh, how cultures are really reacting and what really the business problem is because the solution, interestingly, is the same, right? It was the same solution. They were interested, like I said, in Canada and Spain and in Amsterdam, uh, but maybe not in the U.S. and for Japan, it was absolutely mandatory. So it's it's really amazing how to uh the same solution can can be really something important in one place and not in the other um but but yeah i think uh in this very much globalized world uh i think all solutions are there it's a matter of of priorities really on local economies uh the volume of the data and those kind of things
0: and that's really such a beauty of working with data is it is a common language. Like math is a common language between cultures and music is, i even go so much to argue now that today we work, live in a world where data is a common language. So that fundamental, as you mentioned, the, the technology and the solutions, it stays the same, maybe the problem and how we apply it changes in different geographies, but we all have a common language that we can communicate with, which is really beautiful.
1: Absolutely. And it goes really in line with two years, one mouse, right? It's really listening and understanding what is the problem you're trying to solve. So it's not, you know, like having um, a hammer and everything looks like a nail. So it 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 takes a bit more openness and open-mindedness to, to understand what is really working and could be working. Uh, something can be working in Argentina, but not in an interest of someone in Chile, so, and we're neighbor country, so uh, it, it's really to stay open and, and as you said before, learning and being up to date to what is really new coming uh, up and how, uh, how can we take really an advantage of, of every solution that we see.
0: So you also do a lot of work. besides leading a whole AI practice and being on the Forbes Technology Council, you're also the chapter lead for women in data in the city and, you know, do a lot of work in terms of advocating for diversity and inclusion in this space. Can you shed some light on some of the challenges that you see women facing in data careers today and what can we do to better support them in this area?
1: Well, I I think, um, challenges uh for for women um and we've spoken i think broadly about this but um are really not much different of course there are maybe some uh countries in south america that uh, seem to be more open some others that are like like laggers you know and still um Generally speaking, I I wouldn't say that there is much difference in in this region. What I do see uh, uh, lately is that uh, in AI in particular, I don't see the same uh, amount of women really running for those careers. Uh, So I recently had a shop posting open for an AI leader for my unit. And I was really shocked to see that I think maybe 10% 10% of candidates were actually women. Um, and not that we were not looking, and of course I, I, I pay attention to all those stuff. So, so just imagine, I mean, I've, I've interviewed, I don't know, maybe 30 people and for the role, and uh, maybe three of them were really women that had the knowledge and the skills to in the AI area. In the BI side, uh, I think that, uh, for some reason, I, I even had like a 40% or so um, uh, ratio of, of women in my team, and not for any particular reason. They, they just were there. So, what I find is that uh, closer to the business, uh, mostly around reporting, is where you find maybe women can relate more into the analytics uh, or the analyst work. When it comes down maybe uh, to, let's say, harder areas like coding or AI algorithms, then I think that tendency uh, is really lower. So what can we do about that? Well, keep on advocating, I think. It's uh, giving them voices to make their careers and understand uh, what, what, what uh, I mean, this is a very fast growing space. So there is space for everybody. And this careers, I think can be really life changing for many people. So um, just welcome everybody and trying to help them to with resources and advocating like we like we doing women in data, it's kind of the way to to help to bring more women to, to the teams.
0: Yes, because the opportunity is obviously there. I mean, you're hiring. I know lots of other individuals are hiring and want to find this talent. For those who are looking to move into a leadership position, then what advice do you have for them? What projects should they be looking and seeking out? What experiences should they be looking? Obviously, there's a big need to dive into more of the machine learning and AI side of things. But do you have any other advice for those women looking to move into leadership roles?
1: Um, Well, first of all, uh, being being a leader is really uh, has brought me some of the most rewarding moments in my career, really. Uh, It gives you the opportunity to help people with their careers, which ultimately helps to impact their quality of life. You know this very, very well. Uh, So when you get to that point, it's it's really amazing. now, having said that uh, i would say three spoiler alerts uh from my my humble opinion so so first of all uh leadership is really a call uh it's not about the title it's not about the position um, and it's certainly not about the power so for those looking to move into leadership roles or, or grow uh, into these careers uh i strongly advise to ask yourself what you what do you want to gain out of this uh, I'll, I'll just quote some in and next but it's, it's really about finding your why uh, not every day is easy when you're leading people uh, by no means I, I want to deter people from it, but um, I can't stress this enough, you need to know your why and stick to it more often than you think uh, the second thing is uh, leaders are not born they're made so. Uh, there might be, I mean, you're, you, you might have skills that make it easier to learn and execute, but good leaders, like we said before, they, we, we read, the learn, prepare, rehearse, listen to others, and more importantly, they listen to themselves. So, And when you finish all that, you do it all over again because you're always learning and you're always needing to, to listen to people and yourself um and, and last but not least i mean leadership uh, has different scopes and roles so it's uh, and of course responsibilities and different skills that are required so it's not the same to lead a team then to lead a project then to lead a unit so they might seem the same and of course um there is some <laughs> intersection uh between all of those uh but this, uh this actually applies as a general career advice you find your why again uh, understand what you like doing what you don't like doing reach out uh, if you have questions to a leader understand what they what is it that they do and just make sure you want to experiment in those areas that, that, that before you find in your path so there sort are of, like general leadership advices um and I think uh, I, I frequently have discussions about leading with my team, and, and I hear concerns about, oh, but I'm not that good as a technical person. So there, there, some some people is really um, like afraid, you know, that they're not that good or or uh, top-notch technical people, and and I think in a leadership role, it's really. Taking care that everything goes well with your team, with the people in your team, the client, um, internal clients, whatever. I mean, if you're in a company, you still everybody have internal clients. Um, but but it's I, I think that's those are the skills that are more important into leadership than just being a master of, of I don't know ETL development or in the in the tool that you want to mention or create the top-notch algorithm I mean it's it's really about helping others to evolve I think that that's really the important thing about leadership for me
0: It's a great takeaway. I I love the portion on find your why because I love the quote that says, if you know your why, you can get through anyhow. And you mentioned leadership is not easy, not about the title, right? (laughs) Not about the power, definitely not. There's gonna be a lot of hard times. So to get through those times, you have to know your why. And I think that's a great reminder for all of us, whether we are in an official leadership position with that title or just a leader within our community and within our family. So, thank you for that.
1: Uh, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: So, we've covered a lot of ground today, but I would love to get into the fun portion of the interview and dive into some rapid fire questions. Are you ready for some rapid fire questions? Sure. Fire away. Okay. So, what song do you currently have on repeat?
1: Oh, um, right now for a couple of weeks it's been uh the nights by abichi my son picked this one i don't know from where really uh but we get the habit of singing along in in the car while i drive him to school and stuff and and it's a really energizing song if you don't believe me you have to try it 7 30 a.m in the monday morning while you drive the kid to school and your week is going to be uh, very different. Um, and also, I, I really like this song because it uh, contains probably the best advice that I would like to leave my song with, which is uh, live a life you will remember. So it's I get very emotional when we when we share this with my son. So it's 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 really nice. That's beautiful.
0: Favorite place you have traveled.
1: Oh, I've, I've traveled quite a lot. Travel is one of my passions. I'm taking it back slowly after pandemics. Uh, but my favorite place is really Florence in Italy. Uh, I just love the architecture, uh, what it represents as the heart of ra- Renaissance. Uh, uh, the Duomo at dawn or sunset and Piazzale Michelangelo are probably the most magical experiences that I've had. So. I absolutely recommend Florence.
0: Okay, putting it on the list. Happiness is? Uh,
1: Well, probably a cliche really, but uh, it's about being present and enjoying the moment. Uh, It's not much more than that. Not just carrying the past or looking forward too much to the future. It's just a here and now. What you have, what you don't have and being just fulfilled the same with what you have or don't.
0: In the next five years, I hope to.
1: Huh. Um, well, I just said I'm not a very future type of person, but uh, I hope to just uh, keep simple. I mean, keep, keep on believing in, in what I do. And although that's kind of a lifetime hope, actually, uh, but just keeping that, that mindset, I think it's good enough for me.
0: And last but not least, to me, curiosity is... Well, it's
1: definitely the fuel to move, to, um, to explore, to grow, um, to listen, to learn. It's really what moves, uh, uh, I, I, I wish everybody, but uh, definitely someone in the data space, we've said before, it's, it's really mandatory, so it's really the fuel
0: thank you so much for all your insights and sharing your experiences with us i know this will be an episode i'll come back to many times for leadership advice and just really appreciate your thoughtfulness and your compassion in the way that you lead so thank you so much for taking the time to come on and chat with us today
1: oh thank you sadie for having me here it's been an honor and always a pleasure to talk to you so thank you so much
0: And thank you listeners. Uh, We hope that you keep learning and stay curious and we will chat with you again soon. If you're looking for more resources to further your data career or find your tribe, we encourage you to become a member at womenindata.org. See you on the other side.